I pray and trust and hope that everyone had a good Thanksgiving. They say the average Thanksgiving meal is 4,500 calories, so if you took that many in, repent for gluttony and move forward. Uh, you heard Lenny announce Pastor Joe and Ruth are, are traveling, they're away. Uh, I got a photograph of them yesterday via text message that they were at ground zero, enjoying themselves, having a good time. So please keep them in prayer. Yeah, I, I have some visual representation here. If, now I know everyone's not going to be able to see this. Here, I'll take this off. And George, let's, Zach, move this up here. We'll move it back here. All the way up here so everyone can see. Yeah, try it on that top one. Is it straight? Okay. I know that, don't worry, you won't have to see details. That's probably, thank you guys. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, guys, now, now be honest with me. Uh, I just had an anniversary and uh, something that just jumped out at me. Have you ever, and I'm talking to you guys here, have you ever noticed that if you receive a gift as a couple, if it's a Christmas gift or an anniversary gift, if someone gives you a gift as a couple, you know, to the both of you, for example, if my parents were to give my wife and I a gift for, for Christmas or anniversary, whatever, just a gift, it is always a gift that's geared towards the woman, right? You guys noticed that? You know, maybe you can nudge your wife or wife nudge the husband. Whatever. It is always a gift for the woman. I have never opened an anniversary gift, and it was a box of ammo. I've never opened a gift, you know, from my parents celebrating our anniversary, and it was Rambo Trilogy on Blu-ray, you know, <laughs> It's never been something like that. It's always a, a wicker snowman or, you, you know, a, a gift certificate to Bed Bath & Beyond, something like that. And I've noticed this over the years, and I've wondered, why is this gift? Come on, Mom and Dad, it's my anniversary too, but this gift is always geared towards the woman. You ever noticed that? It's always that way. For example... Just yesterday, my, my wife came to me and she said, Hey, Jason, look. She was getting out all the Christmas decorations. And she said, You remember this? And she was holding up a pillow, you know, not a pillow that you sleep on, more of those like designer type pillows that you can put around. And it, it was embroidered with the words joy on it. Uh, now, to be honest, I, I do not remember this pillow. Uh, she said, You remember when we got this? No, I'm sorry, I do not. We got it last year for our anniversary from my parents' pillow that said joy. I, I don't remember because it was for her. I don't remember. Christmas, this is many Christmases ago. My mom and dad said to me, Oh, you guys are going to love your Christmas present. You're going to love what we got you. And, you know, we get there for Christmas, and here's this gift to her and I from my parents. And it's this big old box, and I'm thinking, you know, tool chest, kayak, you know, something we could both use, right? And, you know, Christmas time, we, we rip it open, and it's a down comforter. You know? I'm like, oh, come on, Mom and Dad. 
Shannon loved it. And another Christmas. This is the God's honest truth. Mom and dad said, oh, you're going to love your present. You're going to love what we got you this year. And we rip it open, and it's this special thread count bed sheets. And Shannon's, oh, yeah. I never even knew there was some sort of special thread count bed sheets. Who's the weirdo that counts all the threads in these bed sheets anyway? Also, I've noticed that if you get a gift as a couple, it's always geared towards the woman. Uh, I, I complained. You're right. Someone notices at least more than just myself. I complained to my mom and dad. I'm like, hey, what's going on here? It's Christmas time. Shouldn't I get something too? It's always for her. Anniversary. It's my anniversary too. It seems like it's always for her. I looked at my dad and I seen him staring at me like he knew something that I didn't know. (laughs) Now, I'm older. That was years ago. I'm older and I understand why. The anniversary gifts and the Christmas gifts and any gift given to a couple is always geared for the woman. I understand it now. I've gained a little bit of wisdom over the years. And brothers and sisters, this is the reason why. It is because the woman needs constant rewarding for not leaving the man's sorry rear end. (laughs) That is why the woman always gets the gifts. They're always geared towards her. So any of you younger folks that just got married or getting ready to be married, the next time you open a gift that's to the both of you and you're expecting a three-pack of broadheads or something like that for bow hunting and it's bath bombs, sit there and be quiet. Look over at your dad. He'll be staring at you, waiting for you to say something. I bring that up because my wife and I just recently celebrated an anniversary. It was actually about a month ago. And to celebrate our anniversary, uh, we wanted to get away. And my wife and I are very busy people. We're constantly running kids here. There's constantly kids coming in and out of the house, banging all around. It's never quiet around our home. Uh, we're, we're always doing something here at the church, working lots, you know, just very busy people. And we wanted to get away and just be me and her. And to celebrate her anniversary, she found on the internet um, a tree house that we could stay in. And it was in Amish country. And, you know, I thought that was kind of cool, you know. So I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. And she booked this tree house. And we, we began to look at the pictures of this tree house. And it was kind of like a log cabinish type thing. And... This thing was, oh, it was 25 or 30 feet in the air. You could feel it swaying. It was really neat. It was kind of a house on stilts up among the trees. And it, we started looking at the pictures. It had a big wraparound porch. It was really, really neat, really pretty. You were kind of secluded, and the inside was done up really nice. It was, all the fixtures were nice, and everything inside was wood. It had a big jacuzzi, king-sized bed, and everything was, they were just built. It's brand new, and had a fireplace you could just click and had radiant heat in the floor, and it was just really nice. And I began to anticipate this time away with my wife. Now, due to our busy schedules, we had to book it a couple weeks out from our actual anniversary. So she got it booked, and I began to anticipate this time that it could be just her and I. And 
as we were waiting that couple weeks, we would say to each other, hey, f- you know, five more days and, and we're gone. Five more days and we, we get to go to our treehouse. And I started counting down the days, you know, just to myself. I, I can't wait to be with her in this treehouse. I was thinking to myself, secluded, just her and I, out of town where no one knows me, no one can bug me, no, no kids. Now, around my house, if I see my wife, you know, cooking in the kitchen and just cute as can be, and I think I'm going to go up and grab her and get a kiss, and I'm planning some moves in my head, there's always a kid that appears. Hey, Dad, can you fix my bike's tire? Get, get out of here, son. Leave me alone. Hey, Dad, can you air up my ball? Or, so I'm thinking to myself, man, in this treehouse, there's no one there to get in my way. There's none of these pesky kids, you know. So I was greatly anticipating being with my wife, just her and I, to celebrate our 18th anniversary. And I was very much looking forward to being just her and I. Now, you might think this is weird, but I I not only, because I, I believe this is kind of rare, but I not only love my wife, listen to me, I like my wife. I believe a lot of people may love their wife as if though she's some sort of relative of some type. But I not only love my wife, I like her. I, I like her as a person. I, I tease her sometimes and I say, babe, I am deeply in like with you. To let her know that I like her. I like her. I've been married to her for 18 years and she has not gotten old to me. Not one bit she's not gotten old to me. Matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. I still like holding her hand. I like the way her hand fits in my hand. I like it. I like her skin. I like the way she smells. I like her. I like talking with her. Her and I take walks in our neighborhood when the weather's not too bad, and we talk and talk and talk and talk. We just talk about anything, the Lord and work and raising kids and family and so on and so forth. We talk. I like talking with her. I like being around her. I like her being near me. I like her being close to me. When I get home from work, I open my garage door. If her car's not there, I'm in a bad mood because I don't like when I come home from work and she's not there. I want her to be there. Why? Because I want her near me. Kissing her and hugging her has not gotten old to me. No way. Sometimes if we get into an argument, when the argument's over, I'll go to her and I'll say, may we... We probably better kiss just to see if the magic's still there, you know. To, we had this fight, and you better come here. Come on. Now, I know darn well the magic's still going to be there, but... She has not only not gotten old to me after 18 years. That's a long time. She's not only not gotten old to me, but it's quite the opposite. Now... This is the, the reason for my chart, and, and I hope that everyone can see this. And you, don't worry, you don't need to see details. It, I'll make it nice and big and, and simple. If I make a chart, this is a big graph, okay, and my y-axis is, represents 
love or whatever increments of love from a small amount or a low amount of love to lots of love. Of love. Okay? And this is increments of time. Okay? So this represents time, whatever you want it to represent. Months, years, even decades it can be, okay? So we have a measurement of love, and then we have a measurement of time. And I come up here and I want to plot this little plot here. Yeah, 1999. That's when we got married. This little plot is when we got married, and I could say to you, I felt this way. I felt some measure of love when my wife and I got married, okay? And as time went on, okay, 18 years later, here we are 18 years later, this is zero, that's 18. As time went on, our graph looks like this. Meaning, as the years went on, my love for her has increased. Okay? So if we started here, we're here now. It, that's my graph, my marriage graph that I want you to see. Okay? And I, I thought of this as I was anticipating this date of this treehouse that my wife and I could go to. We could be away with everyone. And I thought... If I plotted the way I feel for my wife, it has grown exponentially over all these years. I don't feel the same way I, I do for her when we first got married. I loved her when I first got married, but I was a young kid, inexperienced, didn't know what was going on. Now as the years have grown, I love her way, way exponentially more than I ever did when we first got married. And it struck me, listen, it struck me as odd. It's odd to me that my graph looks like that, that it went up. Here's why it's odd, because we're talking about the same woman. I, I've kissed her thousands and thousands of times. It's not like a, I'm kissing a new woman, it's the same one. Why then is it going up? Why isn't it staying the same? Or it's the same one, why doesn't it go down? I've hugged her and squeezed her countless and countless of times. I've held her hand countless times. I smelled the way she smelled countless times. Why hasn't it gotten old to me? Why, why hasn't my graph went down? Why, why didn't it start here and go down slightly? It's the same woman. Why did it go exponentially up? Why does my marriage graph look like that? And it, it does, it strikes me as odd. We're not talking about a, a new girl every time I kiss someone. It's the same woman. Every time I touch her, it's the same woman. Let's, let's face it. After 18 years of marriage, the honeymoon's long over for us. We're not two kids anymore. We got mortgage payment, jobs, kids running all over the place, house that we got to keep going, running here and there. The honeymoon's long over. Why then does my graph look like that? I was 23 years old, and she was 21 when we got married. I'm 41 years old now. Back then, when I was 23, everything was new and exciting. We had our entire future in front of us. Why hasn't it gotten old to me after 18 years? 
Why hasn't my line gone down? Why hasn't she gotten old to me? It's the same old ball and chain. Why, why has it went up? Why is it like that? Why is my marriage chart like that? After all, I can give you countless examples. Countless examples of a chart that in my life that goes like this. I can give you countless things that I loved. Uh, and they've all just... I was just talking with one of the ushers a moment ago. And I told him... I used to love, love working overtime. When I was in my 20s and 30s, if someone mentioned overtime, I volunteered. I was right there. I loved overtime. A a big, huge measurement of love. You know what, since then? I ain't working nothing but the bare minimum, (laughs) brothers and sisters. That's my overtime chart. I, I can give you countless examples of vehicles I've had. You get a new vehicle, a new job, new home, new anything. You love them. Oh, look how great this is. After months, times, years go by. Mm, Stupid truck. I hate this thing. Piece of junk. I want a new one. Countless examples of things going down. You want to doubt my word, you pay attention to your children at Christmas time. Christmas morning, oh, look at this new thing, I got this new game, or whatever it could be. And as days go by, you'll say, hey, son, where's that $200 thing I bought you? Or it broke. I don't know where it is. You love it at first, but then it tanks. Why then has my marriage done the opposite and went like that? So many things I can, I used to love hanging out with my buddies. And I still do enjoy hanging out with my buddies, but I rarely ever do it anymore. Rarely ever. Man, me and my buddies and I, we'd get together, we'd get into anything, we'd have a blast together. But over the years, I prefer just being with my wife. Used to run around and go everywhere. Now I'm halfway a hermit. I don't like going anywhere. You find me at home. It's all went down. I can give you countless examples of the line going down, not up. I absolutely love something at first, then over time, it gets forgotten about, or it gets old, or it breaks. I've seen my kids in the store begging for something that they just had to have. Oh, Dad, please, please, Dad, let me get this. As though they can't live without it. And I have, you're going to think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. I, I've, all right, all right, you're begging me so much. Get it and be quiet, you know. And before we get home, it's broken and it's never seen of again. Shannon, am I lying? Have we not seen this? <laughs> Something that you loved at first. And uh, the line goes down and you don't love it anymore. You don't even know where it is. Once the newness wears off, get rid of it. Then how come after 18 years of marriage, touching my wife, holding her, kissing her, it's not new to me. Why then is my chart going up? The the opposite direction. Why isn't my marriage like that? Let me try and explain why I believe my chart goes like that. 
in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 38. The Bible says, John 7, 38, says, He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Brothers and sisters, when you have Christ, when you possess Christ inside of your heart, there's some sort of source of life that comes up out through you. Jesus Christ is that source. He does not dry up. He's a constant spring of freshness. Christ inside of you is self-refreshing. It's self-renewing. It makes and keeps everything new and fresh. Because it's rivers of living water that comes out of a man when he has Christ inside his heart. Things are alive. Things are active. Things are blessed when you possess Christ Jesus. Rivers of living water. Jesus makes things alive. Jesus makes things vibrant. The New Living Translation says, Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Things, listen to me now, things are not dead when you have Christ. They're not dead. Stuff doesn't get old. Things do not get old to you when you have Christ. Stuff is alive when you have Christ. Living water flows out of you, emanates from you if you have Christ. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When you have Christ, He's constantly making things new and fresh and alive in your life. Why? Because He's the very source of life. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. Everything is fresh and new and great and good and right because Christ Jesus. I remember long ago, a guy I used to work with, there was this little stoop out on this porch we would hang out on sometimes, you know, just some guys would smoke a cigarette or it was just kind of nice to get outside the building sometimes. I'd go out there and stand and... We were there early, early in the morning, and the sun was just starting to rise, and you could kind of see where the sun was rising, and you know how it's real pretty, you know, when the sun first comes up, and one guy said, man, check that out, that's pretty cool, sun rising, and the other guy said, it's just another blanking day, man. Brothers and sisters, I can't agree with that. I can't. How can you, if you have Christ Jesus inside of you, ever, ever say that or think that? It's just another blanking day, man. 
there's no possible way you can have this source, this rivers of living water inside of you flowing, emanating out of you, and make that statement ever. I, I can't agree with that statement. I disagree with it. I won't live that way. Christ makes things new and alive. And without him, it is just another stinking day. Even if it is the same old job, even if I don't feel like going, even if I'm not into it that day, I won't make that statement, it's just another stinking day. No way, even if I am low on money, I don't care because I have this source inside of me. This source that is the origins of life. He gives me life and makes everything new. And it does not get old to me. Jesus does not get old. Having him, possessing him does not get old. And when I have him, he makes all things new. He refreshes everything. He replenishes everything. He nourishes me. I live through him. He's the vine. I'm the branch. I don't care if it's Monday morning. It's not just another dumb day to me. It's the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The man or the woman that has Christ in their heart has rivers of living water springing up out of them. You have no choice but to be alive if you have Jesus Christ. Revelations chapter 21 verse 5 says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He says, Behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. When you have Jesus Christ, He makes things new. This is the reason why, the, the best I can explain to you, why over time, my marriage has went this way, is because He makes all things new. Because I have this source of life inside of me. She has this source of life inside of her. And you put those two people together. God makes everything right. God makes everything work. And it goes up. As time goes on, your measurement of love goes up and up and up. My marriage chart is a byproduct of Jesus Christ. It is a byproduct of of having him in my heart. He makes things around me new and alive and fresh. I like touching her more now than I ever have. I'm attracted to her more now than I ever have been. Even though it's the same woman, I'm more attracted now than I was way back when. That's why my marriage chart looks the way it does. Because he makes things new, alive, and fresh. Life does not get old with Jesus. It does not get old with Jesus. When you have Christ, life has meaning. I'm, I'm not just some sort of 
living entity wandering around in the darkness, bumping into things randomly with no direction, no meaning, no purpose, no destination. When you have Christ, you have an identity and you have a destination. You have a purpose. You're on a journey and there's a goal, there's a prize that you're trying to obtain. Being with my wife has not just stayed the same. It, it has not. You could say, well, that's respectable if you loved her when you first got married and you still love her now. You know, it hasn't gone down. I still love her. It's been all these years over this increment of time. I still love her. My marriage has not just maintained itself. It's gotten better because of Christ. Christ does he? If you're Christian, something's wrong if all you're doing is maintaining things. The Bible describes God in the book of Hebrews as a consuming fire. Hebrews 12.29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. The New Living Translation describes this as a devouring fire. The, the God that we serve is a consuming fire. There, the, the God is some sort of passion. He consumes individuals. He consumes our hearts. We're, people that love Him become enamored with Him. Because He's a consuming fire. He, he puts some sort of flame inside of us. He's the spark of life inside of me. He's what gives life to me. He's what gives light to me. For our God is a consuming fire, the Bible says. That's why my marriage hasn't just maintained or went down. It's went up. Because he's a fire. He's a spark. He's ignition. I believe the prophet Jeremiah says it best. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9 says, But his word was in my heart as a burning fire. His word is in my heart as a burning fire, Jeremiah says. You see, Jeremiah was fed up and he was getting ready to quit preaching, getting ready to quit prophesying. And he said, then I'll just quit. I will stop. I'll quit. I won't do this anymore. It's not doing any good. I'm sick of it. But then he's honest with himself. And he says that this word. You see, once the word takes root in you. You can't just get it out. It's a consuming fire. There's some sort of spark. There's some sort of flame deep down inside of us. That won't go out. It won't go away. It wouldn't go away for Jeremiah. And he could only describe it as some sort of burning fire is inside of my heart that I can't quit. I can't. I think that's a great way to describe it. It's a burning fire hid uh, in my heart. It's like it's shut up in my bones, almost as though my bones are on fire. Brothers and sisters, that's what God is. He's not some entity that's 
billions of miles away and we have to pray to him and hope our prayers ascend millions and billions of miles to make it to him so that he can act on them. God is alive. He has a consuming fire. He is a wellspring of life. He, he gives us this source of life inside of us. That's what God is. He fills us with passion. You know what, what I think? A lot of modern day evangelical Christian church people's problem is no passion. You know, I, I heard a saying the other day, and it's sad, but I think it's very, very, very accurate. It says, most people by the age of 40 are dead already. They just don't know it. Most people by the age of 40, are, they're dead already. They're gone already. They just don't know it. Meaning, most people by that age, they're established in their careers. They're not young kids anymore. They've got house payment and job and they're, they're going to work and they fall into this rut where they work, they sleep, they eat, and they watch TV. And that's it. They stop learning. They lost their spark for life. They've lost any passions they have. They have no drive. It's just mechanical. It's just robotical. Go to work. Pay your bills. Get something to eat. Go to sleep. And watch some TV. You're dead already. You just don't know it yet. They've lost their spark. Lost their passion. They don't want to learn anymore. They're not pushing and pressing. There's no way in the world any Christian should be like that. How can you be a Christian and, and be like that? Have no passion. Yet you're going to tell me you have rivers of living water flowing out of you? Flowing from your heart? Christ keeps us from that. Christ keeps us from being dead mechanical zombies. He's done so in my marriage. You saw my chart. It's not dead. It's vibrant. It's alive. There's desire between us two people. Because of Christ. There's no way in the world a Christian should be like that. Lost your spark. Lost your passion. We should have life more abundantly, the Bible says. Not only have life, but have it more abundantly. I have been recently taking some classes at a high university. Trying to complete something I should have done a long time ago. And... Because of this, I've been taking two classes and still working full time and still got the kids and marriage and everything. Because of all that, I wasn't able to be on the preaching rotation as much as I normally am, as much as I'd like to be. Uh, because the schooling is, you know, you, you really have to apply yourself. A lot of reading, a lot of studying, lots of assignments to turn in. So I have not been able to preach on the rotation as much as I normally do. And I sit in my pew each week and squirm back and forth because there's this flame 
inside of me. And I ended up, I had to call my dad and I said, Dad, you got to let me bump into a spot somewhere. You got to let me have a spot. I, I got to have a turn. Well, the, the last time I preached, if you remember, it was about a month ago. It wasn't my turn then. And I had to ask my dad, let me bump in. Because there's something bothering me. There's a spark somewhere deep inside. or some sort of flame. I can't make it go away. Sometimes it's just a little tiny ember. Sometimes it's a tiny little cool because my sins are so great. But then sometimes it rages within me. But whatever it is, I can't make it go away. Brothers and sisters, that's what God is. That's what Jesus Christ is in your heart. He's, he's this, this flame, this passion, this, this fire. It's hidden in your heart. It might be so deep down in there that you're having a hard time identifying it. But that's what it is. It's, it's the light of life. It's the spark of life. It's that consuming fire that Hebrews talks about. That prompted me to call dad and say, Lord, dad, you got to give me a spot. You got to give me a time. There's this flame, this flame inside of us. If you're born again, it's in there somewhere. It's passion, it burns. Burns for goodness and for righteousness. Burns for the word. Now here's ultimately what I'm, I'm getting at. If, if you think that I came here to preach about marriage or about my marriage, you're wrong. You missed the point. If we had a, a blank graph, okay? I mean, you might be able to see these lines still, but let's say they're gone. And this represents love. And this represents time. And it's blank. If I handed you the marker, every individual in here, I said, yeah, it's your turn. Come on up here. And I told you to plot. Maybe, maybe you were saved in 2010. And that's your beginning date when you got saved. And when you got saved, you loved the Lord. You were in love with the Lord. This, this increment, this measurement of love. Every individual in here, what would your chart look like? What would your graph and your love for Love for Jesus. What would your love for Jesus chart look like? Would it have gone up? Then it hit a certain spot. Maybe something bad happened and it's just gone way down to here. Has it stayed the same? Just kind of maintaining things? Have you cooled way off and lost your passion? What would your chart look like? If it was blank and I handed you the marker, what would your chart your, your love for Christ. Your passion for Christ. What would your relationship chart look like? If the chart was blank. What would your graph look like? Could it be that you love the Lord? 
but you're not in love with them. You know, I believe it's very possible for me to love my wife, but not be in love with her. I love my brothers. I love my mom and my dad, but I don't want to be with them every day. I don't. I'm sorry. I love you, bros. Give me a phone call every now and again. Maybe stop by every now and again. But I want to be with her every day because I'm in love. Is, is, how is it with you and God? Do you love him? You know he's right. You know this word is true. You know you're going to have to answer to him someday. You love him, but you're not in love with him. You've lost that spark, that flame. Love them, but not in love with them. You come to this church because you like Pastor Joe. There's some good people here. Some of the best people I know come to church here. But that, that's not the reason to come. The reason should be because you've got a burning fire inside of you. Have you lost some of your passion have you lost some of your flame? I know some of you have. I know it. We're guilty. Some of you was on fire for the Lord Jesus. But slowly over time, it just kind of goes away. Maybe you've had something happen in your life. Maybe somebody burned you one time. And now you're cynical and pessimistic. And you have a negative worldview. And that... That wellspring of life, that source, you've put a cork in it and you stop it because you've been burned before. And maybe you know the Lord is right and Jesus is real and true, but you've just lost that spark. Has it become a chore to you to serve the Lord? When it becomes a chore, Something's wrong. That, that's a sign that your graph is wrong. Something happened somewhere, and your graph is going to turn out wrong. It's not going to go up like it's supposed to exponentially. Because over time, we should exponentially, our love should go, grow for Christ, for the Word. We should love it more and more the longer we're saved. Has He become a chore? We should love to serve the Lord. I know that so many of us live such busy lifestyles. I know that. But it does seem to me, if I can just be honest and observe, whenever there are needs that, to be filled, Bethlehem, walk, you name it, it's very difficult to get people to serve. It is. I know we're busy. I know you can't do everything. But all of us should be able to serve in some sort of capacity I think some of us may not serve because we've lost that spark. We've lost the drive. we lost the passion. We don't care so much if people are saved. We're not worried about it. That's not our main MO. It is Jesus's. He wants to see people saved. And he wants to use us to do it. If I can call the band back up, please. Those, those guys are making their way. Maybe your faith has become mechanical and robotic. 
Maybe you're one of those people that I've described as soon as you hit the middle of your life, you're dead already. No longer learning and growing in your word. No longer consuming it and reading it. You're dead already. Maybe you used to see Jesus in everything. You first got saved, you saw Christ in everything, everywhere, all around you, in the air, in all of creation. When you went to your jobs, you saw Christ with you everywhere. And over time, your chart's taken a bit of a nosedive. And you've lost that. Brothers and sisters, I implore you. The Bible says in Timothy, Stir up the gifts of God which is in you. Stir yourselves. Stir yourselves. The word says, Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Stir yourself. Stir yourself, New Hope Church. This is not just a church for us to come and gather and maybe listen to some great musicians and a, a preacher speak. This is to be a beacon in this community. And we can't do it unless we have that spark. Unless we have that flame. Unless you're obedient to that burning desire deep down inside of your heart. You have to be. You have to be obedient to it. Listen to it. Obey the call that's deep down inside of you. Be obedient to Him. Stir yourself. Stir the giftings that are inside of you. Amen? Stir the gifts of God. As the band plays, enter into worship with your fullest ability. These altars are open. Come down and pray to your fullest ability. Give Him all that you have and tell Him, Lord, I need my thirst back. I need my hunger back. Things of the world, they creep in and these thorns, they choke. They choke the Word. And we become unfruitful. Brothers and sisters, get the passion back. Get that desire back.